0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the first episode, or first full episode I should say, of the Work Hunt Dad podcast. It's me, Kyle Geary, and um, this episode is going to be when I thought I was good, and um, throughout my entire life, not just recently, um, I've always had an outward confidence in my ability and who I was and what I could do. And a lot of times it was really masking how I really felt. Um, You know, um, I always portrayed confidence because, um, you know, I see doubt as a weakness. And so through that, I really became, um, what a lot of people would consider to be a cocky person. Um, I used to say cocky, no, confident, yes, but, but really it was, uh, it was a cockiness and, um, a lot of times it wasn't, you know, for good reason. It was more of a, uh, insecurity thing with me. And as I grew up, um, you know, and got out of high school, and went to college, uh, it really got a lot worse. I mean, I was, I thought that I was basically the greatest thing to ever happen, uh, to the world and that everybody around me was lucky just to know me. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I found out real quick that mm, that's not really the case. You know, um, I feel like I do have some good qualities but um you know I I'm nowhere near or I was nowhere near what I thought I was then. Um whether it be as a hunter or as an athlete or as a friend or um I wasn't married then but as a um you know boyfriend or fiance or you know whatever the case was there um, I put on an appearance a lot of times um, to mask what I wasn't good at or, or what I couldn't do and it didn't matter if it was you know hunting or or bait or softball or playing pickup basketball or, or whatever the case may be so there were a lot of things there um, that I had to learn and I didn't learn them until I really got into the world and figured out I'm not really as good as I thought I was. So whenever I think about uh, the title of this episode, when I thought I was good, the first thing that comes to mind for me is hunting because there was a time in my life when I thought I was good and I thought I was real good. Um, and it was due in large part to the fact that I had great spots to hunt and I had absolute stone cold killers taking me out and putting me on birds putting me on deer whatever the case may be and nothing really epitomized that more than the first time that I got to go out on a waterfowl hunt so we're hunting a lake uh, down in Island, Kentucky, that um, used to just be kind of our go-to place. We killed a lot of ducks on it. We killed a lot of geese on it. This is the first time I got to go. So we're sitting there in a blind made out of tobacco sticks, some cedar trees pulled up on it, and uh, I mean we're still hid good. It doesn't it doesn't sound like much, but there's one thing about my dad. My dad can build a duck or can build any kind of blind. You may not be able to see out of it, but nothing's gonna see you. I can promise you that. But we're setting in this blind, and and over the years I would learn that that this wasn't unusual for this spot. But like I said, this is my first time. And I look over top of the hill and coming straight at us directly from the north. They're just flying high enough to clear the crop field in front of us. And I can close my eyes and I can still see it like I'm sitting there today. And as they, they cleared that hillside, my Uncle Michael was sitting to my right and my dad was sitting to my left. And they just glided right in. They sat down on the water. And... They told me that I could shoot first, and I raised up and pulled the trigger, and bam, folded. And then you know all the chaos broke loose, and everything started going from there. But waterfowl hunting in Kentucky is not that easy. But that that's that's the way that I that I grew up. You know, my early hunting life was, I mean, really easy. I don't think I turkey hunted past eight o'clock until I was eighteen years old, probably. I mean, you know my uncle Bubby, you could take him out somewhere he's never been in his life and he could find a turkey to kill um, you know he he was one of those guys that uh he went above and beyond what he needed to do for me you know, um, early in my hunting life to make me succeed. And, you know, my, my favorite, my favorite hunting story, uh, involved with my uncle Bubby and, and we were just talking about this the other day, actually, is my first buck with a muzzleloader. We're hunting on some Peabody ground, which is public ground for anybody that doesn't know what Peabody is. We're hunting on some, on some public ground and, um, we're in a ladder stand and we're off about halfway down a ridge. I could I mean I could still walk to that stand. I, I know exactly where that spot is. But I could it's it's such a vivid memory with me that I mean I can close my eyes and I can just replay it. But anyway, so I'm sitting on in front of my Uncle Bubby on this platform stand. And there's two bucks behind us, one of which is, um, you know, a two and a half year old, little basket rack, eight point, and, he, and he's standing directly behind us. Now, this is, um, 95 ish, something like that. I, 94, 95. I was eight or nine years old. Um, No, I was probably younger than that. So it may have been 94. I don't know. Anyway, this is a homemade stand. There's no shooting rail. You know, there's no fancy vice or trigger stick or anything like Wyatt gets to hunt with. It's just us. And the deer's back behind us. And my Uncle Bubby... Takes that is a short barrel carbine side lock muzzle loader, lays it across his shoulder, pointing back behind him, and lets me use his shoulder and, and fire a side lock muzzle loader, just from his face. And the when when the shot rang out and. You know, um, then I didn't realize it because, you know, I hadn't really learned anything about what was going on, but, you know, the ball out of that, out of that muzzleloader hitting that deer that close, he heard it. He heard the impact. So he knew that I hit it and, um, (laughs) the smoke and he's like, did you hit him? And I, yeah, you know, I think so. And he's not moving. He's still got his head kind of turned over and he's holding his left hand up in his ear. And I, I know his head had to be ringing and he just kind of sat there for a minute. I thought, uh, okay, well, did it, you know, now what do we do? But so I did end up, I hit the deer, we go, we find it. Um, and while my Uncle Bubby was, I mean, he's a big, strong guy. He's welder his whole life. Uh, big, strong guy. I was never a big kid, but when I was 7, 8, whatever I was, I dang sure wasn't a big kid. So we, we couldn't get this thing up on the rack of the four-wheeler. And um, he stands it up to like a wheelie on the back rack, straps the thing to the back rack of the 4 and then flips it down gas running out of the tank i mean it <laughs> just nothing nothing like you would see a hunt going today you know with all the the social media hunters and you know they'd have oil pads and stuff out there catching the gas but um that that's what i brought that's what i was brought up hunting i, I was brought up uh, really, more of a shooter than a hunter, and and I did have some ability to shoot, but you know I was in great spots with great hunters, and I didn't have to work at it. Then I went to school at Murray, and I started hunting with my friends. Um, you know, without my dad, and without my uncles, and without my granddad, and um, I found out that. I did not know near what I thought I knew. You know, I thought that I knew everything. And then uh, you know, I started hearing my friends hit a turkey call or listening to them talk about the ways they hunt. I'm like, all right. Well, I got a lot of learning to do. So, while I still tried to portray that that I was, you know, like them. Um the whole time I was learning from my friends, you know, I was trying to pick up tidbits of what they said and, you know, learning from, from my peers rather than, you know, uh, somebody older mentoring you or whatever, because when I was younger, I took it for granted. You know, I I went out and I killed turkeys and come home and had breakfast. And that's the way that it was, but it took me, um, a long time to figure out that I, I really didn't know what I thought I knew and that's that's really been the story of my whole my whole life is what I thought I knew um, wasn't even close you know I thought I was a good hunter I wasn't even a decent hunter you know once I've once I got out and saw how some other people do some things, I was I was really more of a shooter than I was a hunter, but uh, even though I thought I was something. And that that was really one of the most eye-opening th- And it sounds weird to say, you know, talk about hunting and all that opened my eyes to the world, but it really did because it got me out of my vacuum. You know, what I grew up doing was you know, this way. And, you know, I get down there and I see how guys are doing things and, uh, you know, how much different it is. And and to this day, you know, I still just love to sit and talk uh, with with friends and, and tell hunting stories, even if I've heard them before, because I pick up little things and, you know, I'm like, yeah, I've seen a turkey do that or I've seen a deer do that. You know, I'm glad it happened to somebody else and not just me or whatever. But I've... I've tried to be a constantly evolving hunter and, and i you know, that was back in the mid two thousands. And you would think that I would be smart enough to have that constant learning and application apply through all my life. Um, but it doesn't always um, because I'm, I'm better than I was, but you know, back in, back in my early marriage, early adulthood days, I was not very good at change. But one thing through my early life that I didn't have to change was uh, my work ethic. And not necessarily my workability, because I had a lot of stuff to learn. But, um, you know, for all of my dad's faults, one thing that you'll never hear anybody say about my dad is that he's not a hard worker. Um, or my granddad's, uh, or my uncle, or any of my uncles. Uh, you know, they put in time when you know when when they when they're on the clock, so to speak. They give the effort. You know, there's no sitting on the sidelines waiting for somebody else to get it done. They they put out and get work done, and um, that's one of the the. Traits that I'm most proud that I picked up from my dad and my uncle, my granddads and what, where I had to evolve in, in work was, um, you know, going from a, from a worker or employee to a team member and taking my job to a career. You know, I had to learn, how to learn and what to learn you know so one of the things that that my granddad told me a long time ago and I may be the only person he ever said it to but we were talking about work one day and, and he said the more you learn the harder you are to get rid of Make yourself impossible to fire, and um, that's not a direct quote, but you know that that's that was the gist of what he said. And I started thinking about that. You know, I, I was I was in a place with my with my new job um, that I thought, you know, I could see myself doing this. I liked what I do. Or what I was doing, and I, which is what I still do. But um, you know, I was I was liking it, and and I was enjoying it. And I thought, well, you know, they're willing to teach me stuff. I might as well just learn everything they'll teach me. And that's what I did. You know, if they wanted somebody to volunteer to learn how to uh, balance a fan, I was your guy. You know, somebody to volunteer to learn vibration, man, I was your guy. So, in doing that. You know, I, I took a job and made it into a career and um, and it's been great to me. And it's been what has afforded me the ability to, to have the life that I have, you know, with, with a, a beautiful, nice home and uh, the ability to go on trips and do things with my kids and provide for them, you know, in ways that. But a lot of people can't, and I'm very fortunate for that. Um, So anytime that somebody asks me, you know, whether it's a younger person or whatever, ask me about work or or the guys that work on my crew, you know, I just tell them, learn everything you can, you know. Give yourself the knowledge and the skills to be able to advance when given the opportunity. And if you're working somewhere that's not giving you the opportunities, go somewhere that is. Okay, it's it's that simple. Look, now I'm all about loyalty, but loyalty goes both ways. If you're working somewhere and they're not giving you the opportunity to grow and the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to move up and excel and exceed and bust through the glass, you know, the proverbial glass ceiling, then go somewhere that is. You know, don't sit back and 30 years down the road wish you'd have done something different. Push it. Push forward. Move forward and keep keep your legs all times. You know, that old football saying, keep your legs moving, keep your legs moving. And that's one of the things that I push really hard with younger folks. And a lot of that's because I'm not a, back-in-my-day kind of person, but because, you know, today's generation is a little softer. You know, they they take a little more um, encouragement than it used to take. You know, um, I'm, I'm one, I, I respond to a lot of different things. You can yell at me, you can scream at me, and I respond to that. You can talk to me, explain to me, and I respond to that. Uh, but, you know, I've, I found that with a lot of, a lot of the uh, guys today that I work with, um, and have worked, you know, have worked under me on my crew, you know, some, sometimes you have to be a little more delicate in some of that encouragement. It's got to be more positive, you know? Um, but it's, it, you've got to have the, the desire, you know? You got to be the one that, you know, if you're not, if you don't feel like you're being given the opportunities, force the opportunity. Show them how good you are. And then if they don't want to give you the opportunity, you know, move on. Find something else. Better yourself. Okay. Look out for you and, you know, the opportunities that, that you need for. To provide for your family and do the things that you need to do, um, but if you're if you're going to work and you're giving effort and you're learning and you're trying and you're being a good teammate, then those opportunities are going to come. They really will. You you just have to trust that they'll be there. Now, as a husband and as a dad, that's where um, I was probably the biggest failure. That. I could have ever been starting out Um, early in our marriage. I was not a good husband and that was due in large part to my complete and total lack of understanding what Haley needed from me as a husband. You know, I did all the, all the sweet stuff the anniversaries and the birthdays and valentine's day and christmas and you know the the sweet surprises of just you know some gift or something even if it was something small i I did that type of stuff but what i didn't do was i didn't tend to the day-to-day needs i neglected I neglected the day-to-day stuff. Um, you know, I was kind of like a uh, a sports center highlight. You know, you when you're watching sports center highlights, you see the big dunks and you see the clutch threes and you see the home runs in the bottom of the ninth. And, you know, you see the game-winning field goals. But what you don't see in that is, you know, you don't see the, the downfield block by the you know by the left guard that pulled and and sprang the running back and let him get into field goal range you know you don't you don't see the the ball up the middle that the second baseman knocks down in the in the top of the ninth that prevents a run from scoring even though he doesn't make that out you don't you don't see those little things that that led up to those big moments. And that's what I didn't do as a husband. You know, I didn't see the little things. I neglected them. You know, I looked for the highlight reel. And and it really put a strain on things for us because, because of my selfishness. And a lot of that goes back to the hunting side. You know, I, I, like I said in the trailer, I come home from work. I change my clothes. I change my boots. And bam, I was out the door going to check cameras or scouting or to go sit in a stand or or whatever the case may be and you know I, I neglected the little things you know helping her clean up the house uh, you know just sitting and listening you know my wife had a still has but then she had an extremely stressful job as, as a NICU nurse and and there was a lot of times that you know I should have just been sitting there listening you know, instead of trying to chime in with, you know, topping her day with how bad my day was or how hard my day was or how many hours I worked or whatever, because everything was about me. There there was no we. It was me. And God bless Haley for putting up with that. Um, I, don't, I I don't know if you can get sainthood for that, but I'm thinking – Putting up with me, probably got her in at least good graces upstairs because I was not there's I couldn't have lived with myself looking back you know it was just the selfishness that that I showed early on is really more of a testament to her patience than it is to my changing because I probably would have ended up changing at some point but I didn't give her any reason to stick around to you know to see me changing that way. So and, and I still don't do a good job all the time. You know, I still have moments where I think okay, you know, I'm I'm doing a little too much here. I need I need to scale it back. You know, th- this afternoon I come home from work, and it was sunshine, and I pick up Weston from school, and I'm I'm driving through, and there's turkeys out in the field, and I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if there's turkeys down at the farm. I'd like to go watch or whatever, but I felt, you know, hey, I went out to dinner last night with a couple of my buddies, and, you know, there was nothing said. There was no problem with it, so. Now, let's, let's don't push the envelope. You know, go home, be at the house with her and the boys, and you know, help her out if she needs something or whatever the case may. Or just hang out there. You know, it doesn't always have to be to help. Just be there. You know, you don't always have to be doing something. And and I struggle with that because I am not a set still kind of person. I like I like to be doing things. So when when I started finally realizing the toll that, that my selfishness was taking on her, you know, it was almost too late. You know, I I'd, I'd pushed her away to the point to where it was almost too late. And luckily we were able to recover. And, you know, now we've got two... Uh, Trying to think of a good word to describe my boys. They're awesome. They are awesome. Uh, they're hilarious. Sometimes they're, um, there's a lot of Kyle in them, a lot. And, you know, I, I'm just telling everybody right now that's listening to this that doesn't have kids, you're going to get yours back. You know, what? what you gave your parents, it's coming back to you. You may not, you may not think it's going to happen. And I was, you know, pretty sure that it wasn't going to happen to me, but, uh, along came Weston and Cade and whew, man, that, that boy, he'll test you to the max and he knows it. Um, but with, You know, while I'm talking about being a dad, that was what being a dad is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And I know that that's a cliche thing to say, but it truly is the greatest blessing that I've ever been given. And early on, when Wyatt first came around, I was. You know, I should have changed, but I didn't. I was still living for me, um, but I was doing my best to be a Facebook dad. You know, the pictures and the posts and all this stuff. And but I, I was, you know, wasn't doing the what what I should have been doing. You know, he wasn't my full focus like he deserved to be and uh, i just couldn't i couldn't make myself give up the things that that i thought that i would be missing you know whatever it was hunting or softball or golf or, or whatever the case may be so I, i'm i'm still not you know Anywhere near a perfect dad. Um, I'm a lot better than I was. Um, One of my biggest pet peeves, and this is more of a vent than part of the podcast, but I can't stand it when I see a dad, and, and I'm picking on dads here because that's what I am, and I and I know the thought process behind a lot of stuff. But if you're a dad, you do not babysit your kids, okay? You know, when your buddy calls and says, hey, you want to go hunting? You know, do you want to go play golf? Do you want to go do this? You're not babysitting your kids, okay? You're parenting, all right? You're being a parent, and... You know, it it doesn't mean that, you know, if your friend says, hey, you want to go hunting? Nah, I can't today. You know, wife's working. I've got the kids. That's a whole different thing than saying you're babysitting the kids. Because if you got them, then that means it's your responsibility and you know that it's your responsibility. If you say I'm babysitting the kids, that's somebody else's responsibility and you're just handling it for them for a little bit. And... It's. It sounds like it's semantics, and it's just, you know, the use of different wordage or whatever the case may be, but it's not. And I'll say it again. If you're a dad, you do not babysit your kids. Okay, you you might have your kids. You know, you might, you know, have to get your kids, whatever the case may be, but you're not babysitting them, all right? 17-year-old girls babysit kids. 35-year-old men do not babysit their own kids. You raise your kids, you parent your kids, you dad your kids, you father your kids, okay? That's kind of a side note there, but. It just, it's one of those things that really, it it bugs me. And maybe it shouldn't because maybe somebody, maybe you're not thinking about it, but it's just, I don't like that wordage because it, to me, it, it removes responsibility. You know, your wife's not babysitting the kids, you know, because, you know, they're her kids. Okay, you don't babysit your own kids. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, but dads especially, you don't babysit your own kids. (sighs) But, you know, I called this episode when I thought I was good because there was a time when I thought that I was it. You know, I was the gift to all creation was getting to be around me. And, you know, I found out that I wasn't pretty quickly, uh, especially once I hit the the real world. But one of the things that, that, you know, I guess was good about that personality that I had when I thought I was good was the confidence that I had in myself is something now that I, I struggle to build back up because of, you know, when you go through a few failures and and things don't work out right, it's really easy to get down on yourself and, not realize hey you know, okay it didn't work out but I'm, I'm still okay you know If it's like it's like when you have a test that's pass fail criteria you know if you miss it by one question it's still a fail but it's not the same as leaving it blank you know you still put in the effort you still put in the time to do the test you just came up a little bit short well early on in my life, you know, I felt like I could do anything. You know, it, if it was in the ball game, you know, and it's the bottom of the last inning, I wanted them to hit the ball to me because in my mind, you know, there wasn't a ball I couldn't catch. You know, there wasn't a play I couldn't make. And and that confidence was it was broken a few times, you know, misplayed a few balls, struck out, missed a putt, whatever the case may be, whatever sport I was in the middle of. But I succeeded in it enough, you know, I made more plays than I missed that, you know, I didn't have a hard time. But early in in my adult life, I, I had a stream where it felt like that, now, I wasn't doing anything right, and and I hit a really really dark spot in my self confidence and my self image. Again, I, you know, I portrayed on the outside that I was fine, everything was good. Hey, you know, I'm all right. It is what it is. Move on. Keep going forward. Whatever the whatever cliche I was throwing out there, but I was really struggling with uh, you know, my confidence in myself, um, in the, you know, 2013 to 14, you know, I was figuring out that a lot of the things that I thought I had, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have, you know, I kind of thought I had my life in control and, you know, I figured out that through my own works and my own errors. I'm not blaming anybody for that, but it took me a little while to build that back up and and I still struggle with it a little bit. But it's not, it's not the same as it was back then because back then, you know, I had more of an arrogance than I did a confidence. And It was to the point that I just, you know, I'll be honest. I just thought I was better than, than everybody. Uh, And one of the biggest wake-up calls I ever had was whenever I failed the, uh, the physical exam to be a Kentucky game warden. So, Leading up to this, you know, I was in pretty good shape, you know, physically, Um, was still pretty strong mentally. This is right after Haley and I got married, so 2011, and I really did not prepare the way that I should have because... You know, I'm looking through the internet and I'm looking at the requirements for the physical stuff, and I'm like, man, this is going to be a cakewalk. You know, I'll go up there and breeze through this and I'll be fine. Well, I go to Richmond and through the physical side of things, you know, the running, the jumping, the uh, weightlifting, the pull ups, all that stuff, just, you know, knock it out. Bam, 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 bam. You know, like, like I knew I was going to. And then we had to go get in the pool. And, um, you know, it was a couple hundred meter swim. And, um, I got through the swim and then you had to immediately go into a 10 minute water tread without touching the side, without taking a break. And, I failed miserably. Um, You know, I was, I couldn't tell you if I was nine minutes into it or if I was one minute into it, but my body, which I thought was such a great physical specimen, just gave out on me. I mean, I cramped up, um, my head went under, sucked in a bunch of water, and you know kind of like what I said I'd never do I I reached out and grabbed the rope and and I quit basically and I was really bitter about it and I was bitter because I didn't want to accept the fact that I I just hadn't prepared like I should have and I failed you know I was blaming the the way the test is run and Everything else is on a grading scale except the swim and parge. It's a pass fail and blah, blah, blah. And instead of just admitting that I screwed up, you know, I didn't prepare like I should have. Um, you know, I wanted to try to blame everybody else or something else or anything but me. You know, I, I couldn't accept that it was something that that I did. You know, it had to be somebody else's fault. And that was a really it was a hard time for me. And it should have been a real eye opener and a you know an aha type moment. But um, you know, I, I played the blame game and when I told that story, you know, I, I made myself sound more like the victim than uh, than the unprepared failure, and and where my life is today. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm glad that uh, that things have worked out like they have, but you know, it would have been maybe not better, but it would have been uh, it, it would have made some of my moves throughout the next couple of years a little bit better. Yeah. A little bit better is a good way to put it. If I would have just accepted that, you know, I failed. (laughs) I didn't, you know, I didn't get cheated. I didn't get robbed. I failed. Um, And, you know, I could have probably titled this episode live and learn, but that's really what it is. You know, I, you think that you're good at something. You find out that you're not. And you got to live with it and move on. Hey, guys, I appreciate everybody taking the time to give me a listen. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Maybe you learned something. Maybe you didn't. Uh, maybe this will be the last time you listen to me. I don't know. You know, It kind of got a little more serious there than I was intending. But that's kind of the way that, uh, that I envision this podcast going, kind of. In and out, serious, funny, up and down, uh, kinda wherever wherever the mood goes and wherever my internal conversation goes. So I look forward to the next episode coming up. I would appreciate everybody that gives this a listen. If you like it, let me know. Give it a share. Um, you know, pass it along. Let's you uh, know we'll see if we can get some more people listening to this thing, but uh, you know if the same people keep listening to it, I'll keep making them Um, look forward to the next episode. And um, that one is going to be called it's okay to be scared. And uh, I think that it's something that everybody's going to listen to because um, I'm going to have, it'll be a lot more story time. Uh, Than philosophy time uh, So if you didn't like Tonight's episode maybe you'll like that one A little bit better but if you like tonight's Episode shoot me a message let me know what you thought About it like I said I appreciate everybody's Feedback from the last one And um, I hope that everyone has a great week And a safe week And we'll get back at it again next week Thanks everybody have a good day